0: I'm Janet Nakano with MBA Podcaster. This time, we've partnered with the Graduate Management Admission Council to bring you a special three-part series on MBAs in the consulting industry. You'll hear from a panel of recruiters from three top consulting companies. Today, we bring you parts one and two. The first show focuses on employment opportunities in consulting for MBAs, including some of the skills and knowledge recruiters will be looking for. The second elaborates on the interview process. Part three, which is available for download on our website, covers the employment outlook for the industry. Again, if you're interested in hearing more and want to listen to part three of this special series, visit our website, mbapodcaster.com.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to a series of podcasts called The MBA in Consulting about you'll never guess it, working in the consulting industry for people who either have MBAs already or are thinking of getting them. And it's brought to you by the Graduate Management Admission Council. I'm Mark Bisno of Bisno on Business in Washington, and we are, in fact, in Washington today, to be precise, the suburb of McLean where the council's offices are located. But the most important thing is we've got in our midst three of the great experts on the consulting industry because they represent three of the most illustrious names in consulting, Booz Allen Hamilton, Watson Wyatt, and Deloitte Consulting. We've got three podcasts on this subject and in the first one we're going to address what kinds of jobs are available out there and how to get the skills and credentials to prepare for them. The second podcast will be about how to interview with consulting firms if you're lucky enough that they invite you to come interview. And the last podcast in the series is about the actual outlook for jobs in the consulting industry. So three podcasts. You're listening to the first one in the series, what the jobs are and how to get them. Just so we know the people here on the panel and their companies a little better. And to use that as an illustration of what exactly it is that people do in consulting, let me introduce the panelists one by one and ask them to tell a little about their companies and what people do there. Let's start with Rich Schneider, who is a partner at Deloitte Consulting and, in fact, heads their MBA campus recruiting program. Well, good afternoon, Rich, and uh, thanks for joining us. And tell us, what is Deloitte Consulting and what do people do there?
2: Thanks, Mark. Uh, Deloitte Consulting is a very large multinational um, consulting company that has a very broad service footprint. Uh, We like to think of ourselves as taking care of client needs from the think, commit, and do standpoint. In other words, we help them develop approaches to tough business problems. We help them uh, get their organizations uh, actually geared up and aligned to go do stuff. And then we help them uh, implement uh, the solutions that we uh, work with them to develop. So we think of our service footprint as very broad, taking into account everything from strategy to uh, human capital and organizational issues right the way through to uh, other executional things such as technology. How many people are you? And what would be an example? I know there could
1: be a million examples of you know what someone might do, what kind of companies they might go to consult with. and. And, uh, and what they would advise them on, but have, but start with how many people are you well
2: here in the here in the states i'll focus on that just uh, for now. We probably have uh, three or four thousand people we're as I say we're a large organization. Uh, a typical assignment and one that 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 you probably may have heard of is uh, the recent uh, acquisition uh, of shearing plow and buyer uh, we're working with shearing, the pharmaceutical industry that's in the pharmaceutical industry, and we're working with Shearing plow and buyer to basically bring these organizations together into a new organization so that on day one uh, there are you know no missed shipments, no bills not sent, no no employees not paid, but uh, basically helping them achieve a successful post-merger integration.
1: All right. Our next panel is Peter Sullivan, is U.S. Director of People Services at Booz Allen Hamilton and oversees MBA recruiting for that firm. That's How- right, Mark. Uh,
3: thanks very much. Um, right. I'm Peter Sullivan. And... I've been with the firm for about nine years. Uh, the first seven were as a consultant, uh, most recently as a principal in our energy group based down in Dallas, and for the last couple of years, I've been director of people services. Booz Allen is not dissimilar in a lot of ways from Deloitte. Um, we run into our, our fine competitors both on campus and in the marketplace. Uh, we, have, uh, we are a large firm as well. We've got about 18,000 employees right now, and we do strategy consulting for Fortune 500 Uh, Firms, and we're very active as well in consulting in the public sector. We've done work for uh, about 80% of the Fortune 500, uh, which would be 400 companies for those of you scoring at home, and uh, strategic work, basically. Uh, Companies come to us when they have an issue, even if they're not exactly sure what that issue is, and we help them better define it and then work with the client to come to a set of recommendations, um, very analytical based. we are, and we'll get in more into that in terms of what we're looking for um, in terms of uh, MBA students.
1: As I understand, Booz Allen, I mean, you're up there with uh, sort of the big three, uh, I shouldn't give free publicity, if people aren't with us, but uh, hey, maybe they're listening, um, Boston Consulting and McKinsey. Would that be right?
3: Or yeah. I, you know, in fairness, I would actually uh, rope Bain into the conversation as well. Um, it's really four big strategy firms, um, but yeah, th- those are the folks that, we, that are our prime competitors.
1: Richard Wallen is our third panelist. And uh, like Booz Allen, Watson Wyatt Worldwide is actually headquartered. We're particular, not that we don't love Deloitte Consulting, but Booz Allen and Watson Wyatt are actually based here in Washington. We're delighted to have you, Richard. Thank you. Uh, and, and WWW, we used to think that stood for something on the web, but it's in fact Watson Wyatt Worldwide. So what's it do?
4: We are primarily an actuarial firm, so we help other companies with the present value of future costs. But because uh, actuarial work is primarily pensions and other defined contribution benefits, uh, the company is perceived to be an HR consulting firm. So we help companies with other benefits, needs, compensation, uh, communications, uh, organization, design, so forth.
1: And, and, and I should have said you, and I guess it would probably stand to reason like these other guys, I mean, you direct MBA consulting for Watson-Wyatt Worldwide. And, and maybe to kind of segue into the conversation, again, we're talking to Richard Wallen of Watson-Wyatt. How many MBAs do you look for a year? Do you, do you, are you peopled by MBAs over there at Watson-Wyatt? How many do you go after? Uh, We go after exactly what we need. Um,
4: We actually uh, grow as many in-house as we hire externally. So there are a number of uh, consultants who are currently pursuing their MBA studies, which is something that uh, our tuition reimbursement uh, pays for.
1: To get back on the track of what this podcast is all about, what skills and credentials are useful if you want to grow up and be a Mm -hmm. consultant Let's suppose that you know, you're getting an MBA right now, and so you're, you're, you know, every semester you're having to kind of figure out what courses to take and what you want your focus to be at the end of the rainbow. What are the skills and knowledge, and let me stick with Richard, that you would recommend getting as business students so you're going to be in great standing if you apply to one of your, cons- your famous consulting firms at the uh, end of business school?
4: Our firm is uh, slightly different uh, than uh, my two colleagues sitting at this table today. So more important for us is the type of experience you had prior to business school, given that business school education is very similar uh, across the board. So we're looking for really industry-specific or practice-specific experience. So if you've worked in human resources or in compensation or in communication that we're really looking for now you having the graduate business uh, credentials as well as industry experience.
1: Uh, And let me ask Peter Sullivan and Rich Schneider to jump in here. Are you, in fact, different from his uh, company, which he says looks a little more um, at what practical work experience you've had, or do you go after some freshly-minted uh, MBAs? And if so, you know, what do you advise them to do to, to, to put the best foot forward when they talk to you? Experience is important. It really is. And this is Peter um, Sullivan talking.
3: Uh, very important. But um, there are lots of people at business school who are in the business of career changing. I think to a large degree, um, if I were a new B-School student, I would be in the business of filling gaps on my resume. If I have a relatively, so to speak, soft resume where I was perhaps in communications or human resources, I would look to get grounded in finance and marketing. If I'm heavy on finance, then I would look to fill another gap. Maybe it's in marketing or organizational behavior. It's about filling those blind spots to a degree, and when in doubt, over-rotate on quantitative courses.
2: Yeah, this is uh, Rich Schneider speaking. I would agree with Peter. Um we actually look at two things. Um, one is we very much look for prior experience, and and uh, we believe that the prior experience really does matter. Um, we don't we don't hire people to fill a specific uh, need in our organization based on their experience. In other words, we, we typically would not hire someone who had worked in the financial services industry prior to going back to business school just to put them in the financial services practice. What we expect them to do is to use their prior experience and success and demonstrated uh, advancement to be able to be effective in other client organizations and to bring that experience to bear across multiple industries. If they decide they want to go back into financial services over the long term in their career, that's fine. But we're looking for talent as compared to specific skill. And we do really believe that the business school opportunity, as Peter said, gives you a chance to kind of round some of the edges that you may have had or fill in some of the gaps. That that uh, if you've had a heavy operating background where you've managed lots of people B-School gives you a chance to pick up marketing and finance skills, so it's a, it's an opportunity to develop a lot of now, complementary when, capability. When you guys talk about the business school experience, do you
1: distinguish among full-time, part-time, and executive MBA programs?
2: Typically, we are dealing with, with uh, full-time uh, programs, but I would say over the last couple of years, we've increasingly been uh, looking at uh, programs that are not full time programs, just because of the type of people that they uh, attract and the kinds of skills we find there. I mean, do you do you think less or more of one or the other?
1: Um, this is Peter Sullivan. I,
3: I, I uh, you know, I don't. I, in fact, if forced to choose, I kind of think more of the person who's able to hold down a job and get an MBA at the same time. I, I that would have been. I had the luxury of going to school full time, but uh, a lot of folks don't, and it's impressive to um, maintain a job, maintain a series of um, increasing responsibilities at that job uh, and do well in school. The, the, the trick with, for example, evening programs is they're a little tougher to get to. You can't just as easily show up on campus and have them flock to you. They have other obligations. So it's, it's logistical is the difficulty, not one of, uh, of not valuing that experience.
1: And Richard Wallen, how much weight do you put on a school's reputation? A great deal of weight, um,
4: but that weight is, is balanced based on our need, our location. So there might be a small school in you know, Portland, Oregon, that has much more meaning to our Portland office than it does on a national scale. And we're not going to uh, undermine the value of uh, that school's reputation because it's more local than it is national. Based on what uh, Peter just said, though, I I would add that especially for those students out there who are now just thinking of going to business school, that they might stand to benefit um, investigating whether or not a company really values uh, an MBA versus the experience. For us, we, we do rely more on experience than just the MBA degree. And as a result, we have many of our associates who are currently now pursuing their MBA because the value of it would be greater based on the experience they've gotten from us.
1: Let me throw a question back to the others. Uh, other things being equal, when you get applications for you know, new people, people kind of starting out their consulting career, how valuable is it for a person to have an MBA Versus not having an MBA, as I say, other things being equal, let's assume they have the same work experience in their background. Doesn't do? Do you, do you get, look at someone with an MBA and say, ah, this person sort of starts out? You know, we'll we'll examine the resume and see if there's some other things going on here. But uh, this person sort
2: of starts out with an advantage. This is Rich Schneider speaking. In, in our environment, we have a rel- relatively structured entry path for MBAs. We start them off as senior consultants. Uh, in our organization, even though they may have had many, many years of prior experience, and then they move into consulting and learn how to be a good consultant based on that. Uh, so the MBA is an important uh, mark in our view in terms of the kind of skill set that you bring and the way to begin your career in our organization. That's not to say that we don't hire a lot of people with different backgrounds or who have been out in the work environment for several years since they got their MBA. But we typically uh, expect people, as, if they're going to be in full-time consulting staff, to, be, to have an MBA degree. So you have sort of a separate bucket for the MBAs who come to you, kind of like I guess if you
1: go to West Point or something, you get to start out as a second lieutenant. I mean, Peter, what, what, how do you guys at Booz Allen Hamilton address MBAs who come to you versus other people?
3: Yeah, we on our strategy consulting side, we very much rely on MBAs as our prime channel. Uh, of, of entry into the firm. Really? Absolutely, yes.
1: You mean you, you, you pretty much would
3: prefer to just deal with MBAs? Yeah, um, in some ways, in some ways. Now we go off and, and bring in experienced hires as well. We, um, we're going and we can't rely on the MBA channel to feed all our needs for growth. We do hire some undergrads as well, but MBAs are our prime source of um, new associates for our strategy consulting business.
2: And Mark, I would say that that uh, most consulting firms have uh, entry-level positions for undergrads, uh, where they will come and work in a in an environment uh, like like Booz or or Deloitte or some of the other firms you mentioned um, for two, three, four, five years, and then go back to school. Uh, so that is our true entry position at the at the at the most base level. But uh, our MBA uh, expectations are what we really expect our people to have.
1: How many applicants
2: are you guys getting a year, and how many do you, uh,
1: do you accept? And how many of those are MBAs? We're hiring hundreds if
2: not thousands of people. That's at Deloitte Consulting. At Deloitte Consulting, we're, we're in any given year we are hiring thousands of people. Uh, Del- uh, consulting is a profession which has a lot of turnover. Most people go into consulting without the expectation that they're going to be in consulting their whole career. How many
1: people do you hear from? I mean, what's the ratio of the number of people you hear from versus those you offer jobs to?
2: I would say probably 10 to 1. Uh-huh. And how many MBAs are in that mix? Most of them are MBAs, either as direct, direct applicants or as experienced hires who have been out in the workforce but have an MBA. And Peter and Richard, in terms of how many applicants you get and how
1: many you accept?
4: I'd say it's even higher, closer to 20 to 1. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the people we interview... To the ones we hire is
3: about 10 to 1. That's really what I meant. Okay. That's the, yeah. And if if you then layer on applicants on that, it's probably 100 to 1 or so. Right, right.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, but all you listening out there, you stick with it anyway, even though the chances may be, you know, uh, a little challenging. It's worth it. Right, guys? You get these jobs is amazing. All right. We've got some more uh, podcasts in this series coming up, but we want to thank Rich Schneider of Deloitte Consulting, Peter Sullivan who's the U.S. Director of People Services at Booz Allen Hamilton, Richard Wallen, who directs MBA recruiting for Watson Wyatt Worldwide. I'm Mark Bisno of Bisno on Business for the Graduate Management Admission Council. Thanks for listening, and come back for the next couple podcasts on this subject.
0: Stay with us. Coming up is part two of this special three-part series brought to you by MBA podcaster GMAC. In Part 2, Mark Bisno will be leading a discussion about the interview process at consulting companies.
1: Hi, everyone. We are continuing in our series of podcasts called the MBA in Consulting about working in the consulting industry and brought to you by the Graduate Management Admission Council, which administers the GMAC. I'm Mark Bisno of Bisno on Business in Washington, D.C., and we've got with us again three of the great firms of the consulting industry represented in three great people, Rich Schneider of Deloitte Consulting, Peter Sullivan of Booz Allen Hamilton, and Richard Wallen of Watson Wyatt Worldwide. If you listen to the first podcast, you know that there we talked about what the jobs are and how to get them, and now we want to drill down a little more and talk about the famous interview process at these great companies. I'd like by way of uh, both introduction to the panelists and illustration of the uh, consulting jobs that are out there, to go uh, through the panel uh, one by one ask them to uh, tell us about their companies and give us an example of what someone might actually do as a consultant. Were they lucky enough to work there? Richard Wallen of Watson Wyatt Worldwide. Good afternoon, Richard.
4: Watson-Wyatt
1: is a
4: mid-sized firm with about 6,000 associates globally. We have offices in all the major American cities and most of the major metropolitan cities in the world. We are primarily an actuarial firm, and we are looking for people with HR-type experience and compensation, communication, organization design and uh, a day in the life, because we are so uh, uh, well represented by our locations, does not involve much traveling, uh, to the dismay of many people who join consulting for racking up uh, miles and points. We work locally with our uh, customers and meet with them face-to-face, either in their offices or ours, and uh, we do our best to listen to their needs and uh, you know, help them reach solutions
1: well, their their friends uh, are glad that they're not out there ra- racking up their miles, and they can you know kind of stay at home. Uh, Peter Sullivan of Booz Allen Hamilton, tell us uh, what Booz does, and you know what an example would be of an actual job that someone might have there. Uh,
3: thanks, Mark. Booz Allen Hamilton is a 18,000-person uh, strong uh, global consulting firm. Uh, we have a, a large strategy business where we consult with. Fortune 500 firms, as well as a large public sector uh, business where we help uh, most Western governments uh, transform themselves. Maybe I'll pick up the what an associate does from a lifestyle of the project standpoint. Most of our projects are on the order of a couple of months to maybe eight months. So let's assume one is about three or four months. Uh, in the uh, initial piece of the project, we will be meeting with the client to understand and agree to the issues. Clearly, we've been hired for some problem that's going on or some opportunity that hasn't been exploited. And so what we will come up with um, alongside the client is a set of what the issues are and some underlying hypotheses on what the answers to those issues might be. We then are in the business of proving or disproving those hypotheses, and we ask our our associates, our new MBA hires, to own one or perhaps two of those issues. They would be in charge of working with the client to um, get the data, run the analysis, frame that analysis, come up with um, scenarios and recommendations and eventually proposed solutions to the client, and then we will, we will help the client begin to operationalize those,
2: those, uh, those recommendations.
1: Rich Schneider, Deloitte Consulting. What's the company doing? What's an example of somebody there?
2: Thanks, Mark. Um, Deloitte Consulting is a very large um, multinational general management and technology consulting firm. We're roughly the same size as Booz Allen is globally um, and work for many of the same clients. Uh, the large uh, Fortune 500-type companies on typically very large and complex problems that they may have. I think Peter did a great job in terms of describing what a typical project might look like. Our our projects are very similar in the sense that they're anywhere from four to eight months long. We'll typically have a project team of anywhere from six to 20 individuals working on those projects. Uh, I would just suggest a couple of things to add to what Peter said. One is In our environment, quite typically, our our project teams are relatively non-hierarchical. That is to say, we'll have partners and senior managers very actively involved in the project, but we tend not to stand on rank and ceremony. We expect people on the project team to bring their skill set and to actively contribute. Uh, without regard to rank or or experience level in the firm. Obviously, people have different levels of responsibility and so forth, but uh, we very much see the project team as kind of a, a, a maneuvering unit in the military sense where we're working very closely together. I would say another dimension that, that may be somewhat unique to our practice is that we work very much uh, on-site. Uh, we we really do believe that in order to be effective in consulting, you have to be at the client site, uh, working with the client uh, and teaming with the client to get things done. Um, and in addition to the, the sort of... Significant amount of analytics and problem solving that Peter mentioned, um, we really uh, call upon our consultants to work with our clients to actually begin to get implementation underway and to get things done uh, working as part of a client team basically so that 's one of the reasons why we 're on site so much well, uh, your descriptions have gotten
1: everybody let 's assume salivating over the idea of working in the consulting industry. Let me go back to Richard Wallen of Watson Wyatt Worldwide to ask about the actual interview process. I think we established in the previous podcast that you are getting gobs of applications and you take relatively few of the people who apply. You like people with previous work experience. You also like MBAs. And best of all, maybe somebody who combines them. So what's the interview process like? Suppose somebody gets that that fateful call that says, uh, guess what? You're invited for an interview. What's that mean?
4: Well, before that, I'll say uh, there are two avenues primarily that we go after MBAs, and it's either directly off of campus with uh, recruiting or just experienced hires who coincidentally also have an MBA. Um, Both avenues, though, start with our uh, job posting. We post all our jobs on our website and that feeds various websites uh, like Monster and Career Builders and so forth. Uh, Even our jobs on campus are posted on the campus's website along with ours, and we ask all applicants for purposes of tracking them to to apply online. Uh, After reviewing uh, someone's uh, resume basically, and so it's important that all uh, MBAs uh, consider how they uh, put the resume together to best not sell what they've done but sell what they're capable of doing because that's what we're looking for. We we have a need and we're looking for someone to fill that need and uh, so uh, hopefully you've sold yourself uh, effectively uh, on paper because um, oftentimes that is the first introduction of yourself to us uh, when we're reviewing people who have applied. Uh, we'll conduct phone screens or on-site uh, interviews invite people back to our offices for uh, face-to-face interviews during which time we are not only assessing your capability to the job but also your fit on our team and we're hoping that uh, you as a prospective uh, you know, associate in our firm is also sizing us up to see if the type of work that we do or how we approach our work or the environment of our work is what you want to do as well. So that's how we approach it.
1: Now Peter Sullivan of Booz Allen, he talks about sizing you up psychologically. Do you do that and if so, how the heck do you do that?
3: Uh, it's tough. It's, it's, I wish it was a science but it, it, it's an art. Um, at Booz Allen, um, for a strategy uh, consultants, we use the case interviewing methodology. What that means is for, for part of the interview, and the interview generally lasts around 45 minutes, for about 20 of those minutes, we will present you with a business problem uh, and ask you to tell us how you would go about analyzing it. Once you've provided a framework, we will work with you over the next kind of 15 minutes or so uh, in a discussion to actually utilize your framework and analyze the business problem at hand. That represents an important part of the interview for us. It's going to help us get to uh, how, your communication skills, how organized you are, your thought leadership, uh, how creative a thinker you really are. And I think the case interview methodology is, is pretty well understood once folks get to MBA school. In fact, it's it's a bit of an uh, urban recruiting legend, I would argue, such that I think people overpractice on it. And to Richard's point, uh, people, people overpractice their case interviews to the detriment of the fit or behavioral portion of the interview, which... Um for us, and I know for for my colleagues here is just hugely important. Um, we need to understand in this forty five minute interview of which you will we'll get up to four, uh, whether you can do the work, whether we can put you in front of a client, and whether we want to work with you. All three of those things are hugely important, and the case really only gets to the first one kind of can you do the work? Um, we really want people that have polish and presence and communication skills, that can build a relationship with a client. And then we, you know, like, like Deloitte, we, we travel. We are on site with our client generally four days a week. And if that job is outside your city, that means travel. That means dinners and lunches. And we want to have dinner and lunches with people that we want to have dinners and lunches with. So it's very, very important that, um, that you let your personality show that you engage, that you try to relax, although I know it's easy for me to say that, and just let your personality come through so we can see that you're someone that we want to work with.
1: When you say overpractice, you mean people come in kind of wooden or formulaic and it's just, you know, just well, not natural. Some of that and, and sometimes they just don't allocate their
3: time properly. They allocate their practice time to the case as opposed to the behavioral section, ans- answering uh, more general type questions around what's deep inside them and why they want or like consulting. Now, Rich Schneider of Deloitte
1: Consulting, you seem to be nodding in agreement.
2: Yeah, I would say, i mean, I'd like to, to build on both Richard's and, and, and Peter's points. Um, you, can, you can pretty quickly tell if someone is rehearsed in in the interview situation. They, they almost have answers that that go past the questions that you ask them because they think you're going to ask them a certain question. We absolutely believe that the uh, the interview is an important part but, uh, of the overall recruitment process. But frankly, we, almost, we view the interview as almost the culmination of how it is that we've spent two, three, four months getting to know you. So typically, we're on campus uh, for quite a few months before the actual interview happens, and we will have multiple events where we, some are quite social in nature, some of which are quite content-rich, and we're talking about business issues. But those are great opportunities for students to come and get to know us and understand the kind of work we do, the kind of uh, people we are, the kind of personality and culture that we have. By the time we get to the interview, we ought to know you pretty well. And frankly, we on most of our campuses, select the people from from uh, out of the pool of, that has applied that we actually want to interview, and frankly, a lot of the people that we select. Th- those decisions are based on how well do we know this person and how good a fit do we feel they will be. And on the interview itself, we use the case method as well on in multiple interviews. That's the, the, almost the culminating kind of final test, if you will, in terms of how we, how we see the interview process. Do you have some
1: offhand do's and don'ts for that pre-interview campus conversation
2: phase? My view is that you've got to be yourself. I mean, you, first of all, you have to demonstrate you're interested in consulting, That it's something that you see as a, as a potential, uh, as, a, as a real potential career for you. Um, I think that you have to see the candidate demonstrate some interest in, in you know, our firm. Uh, we, I think most consulting firms do generally very similar work. I think most people who are on MBA campuses are smart enough to be consultants. The issue is... Do we really get the same sense of how, we, how the student and we operate, the kind of capabilities that we have, uh, the kind of um, uh, team uh, person that this person would be? And so I would just say the most important thing is to be pretty, pretty direct and unvarnished. There are firms that you're going to be a good fit for. There are going to be firms which are where you're probably not going to be a good fit. Be honest about that and don't try to go, go into some place just because you think it will build your resume.
4: I would add to that. And this is Richard Wallen of Watson White. Students need to be prepared, always, whether it's a campus event or in a formal interview, but know something about our company. And it's amazing how many students uh, approach you with very uh, basic questions that indicate they have not the slightest understanding of what your company is or why you're on campus, and that's almost an
1: immediate turnoff. Uh, it's It's a no. Absolutely agree. Peter Sullivan, you mentioned that up to four people, I think you said, might do a 45-minute interview with someone who right. is finally called out. Um, who are those people?
3: In the first round for us, which consists of two interviews, uh, it would be senior surgeon and principal, basically people who have been with the firm for between four and six years. Uh, the final round will be done, if not exclusively by partners, uh, primarily by partners. And those are folks who have been with the firm uh, beyond six, probably eight, ten years or so.
1: Well now that we know exactly how to ace the interview process, we can go on in a moment to our next podcast that you guys should all listen to out there in uh, podcast land, which is going to be about what's the employment outlook look like for the consulting industry. We are delighted to have shared this time with Rich Schneider, who leads Deloitte Consulting's MBA campus recruiting program, Peter Sullivan, US Director of People Services at Booz Allen Hamilton, who also oversees MBA recruiting for the firm, Richard Wallen, who directs MBA recruiting. What are the chances that three people basically to do the same thing are in the same room? He's with uh, Rich, Richard Wallen. is with Watson Wyatt Worldwide here in Washington, D.C. I'm Mark Bisno of Bisno on Business, again speaking for GMAC. Thank you so much for listening. And you're not done yet. you got to listen to the next podcast, too.
0: We hope you've enjoyed Parts 1 and 2 of this special three-part series brought to you by MBA Podcaster and the Graduate Management Admission Council. If you're interested in learning more about the industry and want to listen to Part 3, visit our website mbapodcaster.com to download the episode. In Part 3, the recruiters will be talking about the future for these consulting companies. And be sure to listen next week for our regularly scheduled program. I'm Janet Nakano for NBA Podcaster. Thanks for listening.